in the film Gravity, Ryan Stone, as you saw, played by Sandra Bullock, finds herself in a very difficult situation. She is stranded all alone in space, and she is almost certainly going to die. She knows she needs help beyond herself, but she doesn't know how to ask for it. And she cries out, as you just heard in that piece, in that scene, that she doesn't know how to pray. Nobody ever taught her how to pray. Ryan's problem is a common problem, whether we realize it or not. And sadly, not just for those outside the church, but for many within the church as well. People talk a lot about prayer. We hear a lot about prayer. We hear a lot about talking with God and communing with God, but sadly, many have never really understood what it means to talk with God, to pray. Pastor Jim Cimbala of the Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York says, if our churches don't pray, what does it matter how many are attending the services? For the next three weeks, I'm going to be talking about Paul's prayer here in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. And I am not assuming that everyone in this place this morning, gathered in this place on a Sunday morning, knows how to pray or knows all there is about prayer. In fact, you may be here this morning and you may be one of those people that You've always wanted to pray. You've always wanted to learn about prayer, but no one has ever really taught you about this subject. I hope over the next few weeks that God, through the Holy Spirit and through his word, will show us what it is to pray. As we look at Paul's example here in Ephesians chapter 3. The letter of Ephesians contains many important truths related to prayer. And in this section of verses, as Paul closes out this third chapter, we see him showing us what it is like to pray in view of God's greatness and our need. Now, the whole thrust of this prayer is that Paul understood. Paul saw that the believers in Ephesus were discouraged in their walk with God. Many of them were depressed. They were discouraged. They were about to give up. They were about to throw in the towel. They were about to walk away from the church, from their faith. And they looked at Paul. He's in prison. That just added to their discouragement. Paul understands their situation. He sees what's going on. And Paul is so concerned for these believers. He loves them so much. He desires for them not to quit, but to continue in their walk with God, that Paul can't help but drop to his knees and pray for these believers. And he prays that God will give them the spiritual power to carry on, to not quit to stay faithful to God. Paul knew they needed spiritual power to persevere, so he gets on his knees and he intercedes on their behalf. Over the next three weeks, I want to talk about the subject of spiritual stamina, staying power. 
Here's what I want you to take away from the messages. Spiritual power is needed in order to move forward in the Christian life and not lose heart. Spiritual stamina or power is needed in order to move forward and not lose heart in our Christian walk. Well, I want to ask you as I begin this morning, are you one of those who's lost the heart to carry on in your spiritual walk with the Lord? Are you back to give up? Have you considered maybe walking away from the church, maybe walking away from God, maybe walking away from Christianity, religion um, completely? Because nothing has seemed to work for you, nothing has seemed to satisfy you, your life instead of getting better, it seems like it's gotten worse. Do you look around at all the evil and the violence in our world this morning, at the moral decay, the mocking of Christian values, the criticism of the church, and think to yourself, I don't need this anymore. You think about quitting because you're discouraged, you're depressed, and you're defeated. If that describes you, I hope that you will listen to what the Holy Spirit has to say through his word this morning, through God's word this morning, through the heart of the Apostle Paul here in chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Paul prays for God to empower the Ephesian believers that they might stay the course and not give up on God. These verses reveal three things to us about Paul's prayer. And I have divided them up in three ways over the next three weeks so that we can concentrate on each one of these areas. Today, we're going to look at the posture of prayer. Some people wonder, well, when I pray, am I to get on my knees? Am I to stand? Am I to sit? Is it okay to pray as I'm driving down the road in my car? What posture exactly should I take when I pray? Next Sunday, we're going to look at verses 16 through 19 and look at the four petitions that Paul uh, makes in this prayer on behalf of the Ephesian believers. Four petitions that you and I need to understand if we're going to stay the course and not quit on God. These are four things that we need in our own life. And then finally, Paul concludes his prayer with praise in verses 19 through 21. And we'll look at that three weeks out. So let's look in the first place this morning at the posture of prayer. Look what Paul says in verses 14 and 15 of Ephesians chapter 3. In fact, let's just go ahead and read the entire section of verses. And that way you'll get an idea of what Paul's prayer is all about. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ 
that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. <clears throat> and here's the praise part of the prayer. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, let's go back. Look at verses 14 and 15. Here we see Paul saying, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now that phrase, for this reason, if you want to put it in brackets or in parentheses, that phrase there actually continues the thought of verses 1 through 13 where Paul talks about the great mystery of the union of Jews and Gentiles in the church. Paul sees the church made up of living stones from every nation, from every race and culture of people who are indwelt by the Spirit of God. So Paul says, for this reason, for the fact that God has saved us, God has poured his grace upon us, and God has called sinners from every nation and race and culture of people around the world, Paul is so amazed at God's grace. He is so humbled by the fact that God would take sinful people and bring them together through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, build them into up into his church. And Paul could never get over this great truth, this mystery that had been revealed to him. And Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Paul is so taken by this truth and he's so concerned for the Ephesian believers that right there in his prison cell, on that rough stone floor, chained to a Roman soldier, Paul gets down on his knees and prays for them. Now you got to understand something. <clears throat> Kneeling was not customary for a Jew. It was customary for a Jew to stand when they prayed. We see this. If you've ever been to Israel and you've been to Jerusalem, you see people standing before the wailing wall. The pious Jews stand as they pray. Kneeling indicated an extraordinary event or an unusual passion about the prayer. Kneeling is one of several positions or postures described in the Bible when it comes to prayer. We read in Genesis 18 that as Abraham interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah, he stood before the Lord. In 1 Chronicles chapter 17, when David prayed about building the temple, David actually sat before the Lord and prayed. Ezra, in Ezra chapter 9, he's heartbroken over hearing about the intermarriage of Israelites with their pagan neighbors. Ezra bowed and stretched out his hands in confession to the Lord on their behalf. And then in Matthew chapter 26, we read where Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane fell on his face in prayer 
on the night of his betrayal. So what is the proper position, the proper posture when we pray? Should we kneel? Should we stand? Should we sit? Should we walk? I do a lot of walking, and I pray as I walk. What is the right posture for prayer? A poem by Sam Foss entitled The Prayer of Cyrus Brown might help you. He says, the proper way for a man to pray, said Deacon Lemuel Keys, and the only proper attitude is down upon his knees. No, I should say the way to pray, said Reverend Dr. Wise, is standing straight with outstretched arms and wrapped in upturned eyes. Oh, no, 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 said Elder Snow. Such posture is too proud. A man should pray with eyes fast closed and head contritely bowed. Well, it seems to me his hands should be austerely clasped in front with both thumbs pointing toward the ground, said the Reverend Dr. Blunt. Last year, I fell in Higgins' well, head first, said Cyrus Brown, with both my heels sticking up and my head pointing down. I prayed a prayer right then and there, the most powerful prayer I ever prayed. The strongest prayer I ever said was standing on my head. What's the right posture when we pray? And just hear me this morning. There is no one correct posture for prayer. Whether or not you're standing on your head in a well, or you are on your knees at the altar in a church, such as we did this morning, or walking down the street, the position of your body is not nearly as important as the condition of your heart. However, there is something special about kneeling. When one is kneeling in the Bible, he is indicating deep reverence and humility before God, as well as the readiness, the willingness to obey whatever God speaks to him about. You ever walked into a room where somebody is kneeling in prayer? There is something about the atmosphere of that room. I can't explain it. I just, it just, there's just something different when you walk into a room of people and they are kneeling. Or I can remember um, uh, years ago, Lou Perkins, who used to sit right back here every Sunday. Um, uh, Lou is not able to come to church like he used to. Lou was one of our faithful Sunday school teachers. Great big giant of a man. And Lou would sit there at the conference table back there in our conference room. And he would be the first one on my left over here. And we'd go around the table. And everybody else would be sitting at the table except for Lou. Biggest man in the room. And he'd be kneeling right there at the end of that table every Sunday. And I always thought, wow, there's something about, not that God heard his prayer any more than there, but there was something about that posture 
that radiated something, humility, sincerity, genuineness in understanding that he was not just talking to anyone. He was talking to the God of this world. I think Paul knelt as he prayed for several reasons. Let me give you four reasons why I think Paul knelt and why I think kneeling is important. Not that it's the only correct posture, as I've already indicated, but let me give you four reasons to consider when you think about whether kneeling is the best position or a good position to pray in. First of all, kneeling demonstrates adoration. Adoration. The scriptures clearly teach us that God should be approached with reverence and awe. As Paul prayed for the Ephesians, he felt led to bow his knee before the Father in adoration and reverence. Not because that position is more sacred, but because it was a reminder to Paul of the awesome majesty of the one whom he had the privilege to call Father. God had taken the initiative to call sinners to himself through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in order to make them a part of his church. And the revelation of that mystery so humbled Paul that it caused him to fall to his knees in loving adoration and worship. Friend, listen, prayer is not treating God like he's some kind of sentimental Santa Claus that we go to with our wish list. Prayer begins and ends in adoration and in worship. That is what Paul is doing here in this Roman prison. Paul is standing there, sitting there, praying on his knees because he understands only God can help the Ephesians and in their situation, help them not to be discouraged, but to continue to persevere. And Paul is so overcome with adoration and worship of the God that he serves that he falls to his knees and he prays on behalf of his fellow believers. When's the last time, let me just ask you this, when's the last time you got on your knees to pray and said something like this, Father, I bow my head, my heart, and my knees before you because you are worthy of worship and my adoration. I worship you. I adore you. I love you. And I don't ever want to forget that you are infinite and I am finite. You are divine and I am human. Every once in a while, I think it's good for us to get on our knees and be reminded that the God we speak to, yes, he's our father, but he is also God. He is a sovereign ruler of this world and deserves our 
adoration and worship. Secondly, kneeling demonstrates gratitude. It demonstrates gratitude. Paul was so amazed at God's grace in saving sinners. And he was so amazed at God's plan of uniting these redeemed sinners together in the church that he couldn't help but kneel before God. Friend, when we reflect on God's amazing grace that saved us, that should lead us to get on our faces before him in gratitude for what he's done for us. God has brought us from death to life. He has raised us with Christ. He has seated us with Christ in the heavenlies. And he has made us a part of his church. And in light of these realities, Paul says, I kneel before the Father. Paul was truly grateful to God for all he had done for him. Do your prayers reflect your gratitude to God for all that he's done for you? When's the last time that you really knelt before God and thanked him for all the ways in which he has blessed your life in the past? For all the ways in which you have seen him perform his goodness towards you and your loved ones, your family, your friends? When's the last time you just bowed and didn't ask God for a thing, but you simply said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are and all that you mean to me and all that you've done for me. Kneeling demonstrates a grateful heart. Kneeling says, I am already grateful for everything that you've done for me. Regardless of whether you ever do anything else, I am truly grateful for all that you've done already. There's a third thing about kneeling. Kneeling demonstrates humble submission. Now, the picture here is not of a man expecting God to wait on him and cater to his desires, but rather the creature coming before the creator in humble submission. Submission is the admission of weakness. Paul said elsewhere in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when I am weak, then I am strong. When we realize that we are approaching the only one who can act on our behalf, it gives us a proper sense of helplessness. You ever been in a real bind to where you knew there was no way that what you needed could be worked out by anyone or anything other than God? Friend, that'll humble you. When you realize how helpless you are. When you realize that you are weak and you need God. Maybe it's been a health issue. 
Maybe you've had an incurable disease. Maybe you've dealt with cancer or maybe a loved one has dealt with an addiction or something or maybe you needed a job or maybe there was a strain in your marriage or maybe it was one of your children who was off track and rebelling and you knew there was, you had tried everything you had gone for to everyone you knew for advice and for help and yet you come to the end of your own efforts and you fall to your knees in deep humility and weakness and recognize that you are helpless and you need God's help. See, kneeling demonstrates God, I need you. There is no one else that I can count on. But I know I can count on you. And I come, Lord, in humble submission and humility before you. Kneeling demonstrates submission. The Bible says apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We should be humbled and at the same time, be encouraged with the one whom we speak to. The one whom we kneel before is able to help us and will help us according to his will. We can stay the course with God's help, with his power working in us. Finally, number four, kneeling demonstrates confidence. It demonstrates confidence. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, because of Jesus, we have access to God. And then in chapter 3, verse 12, he says, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. You see, we can pray with confidence because we are approaching our Father who we know loves us. So why can we be confident? As Paul said elsewhere in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, And my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. So as Paul starts to pray, he is driven to his knees in deep reverence, showing great confidence in God that he will come through on his behalf. And listen, when we go to the Lord in prayer, do you ask believing or do you ask but doubt as to whether God can and will come through on your behalf the most powerful place we can be of service to God and to others is on our knees before God in prayer Johnny Erickson Tata as most of you know, has been a quadriplegic for over 50 years. As a young person, Johnny lived a very active life. She enjoyed horses, hiking, tennis, swimming. And then on July the 30th, 1967, at the age of 17, Johnny dove into the Chesapeake Bay after misjudging the shallowness of the water. She suffered a fracture between the fourth and fifth cervical levels and became paralyzed from the shoulders down. Johnny is a joy-filled Christian in spite of her handicap. She goes around 
speaking at various conferences and leading seminars, and she's had a, a, a wide ministry for the Lord for many years. On one occasion, she was at a conference where she had given her testimony, and at the conclusion, the preacher for the event asked everybody to get on their knees before God. Everybody went to their knees, except, of course, Johnny. And commenting on that night, Johnny said it broke her heart. She literally wept because she could not go to her knees. As she sat there unable to kneel, she prayed, Lord Jesus, I can't kneel. I look forward, though, to the day when I will rise up on resurrected legs. And the first thing that I will do then is to drop on grateful, glorified knees and worship you. Friend, here is a woman who can't kneel and would love to kneel to show her deep reverence and love for her Lord. Many of us in this room this morning, the vast majority of us, can kneel, but we never do. Why? Kneeling is not the only posture for prayer. But I will say to you this morning, it is probably the most humble and the most loving Because when you kneel before someone, you are acknowledging that they are greater and you are lesser. They are able to do for you what you cannot do for yourselves. And so as you think about prayer, understand you can pray in any posture. But kneeling says something about our heart and our understanding of God. So let's pray and stand as we do. Stand with me.